1: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of
4: NASCAR.
5: Let's get a big thumbs up. Get ready to rock and roll today. Let's have some fun. 400 laps. I got you guys there. Have a great day. 10-4 tonight we'll make it happen we know what we gotta do the
6: motor racing network presents nascar live
5: eric Anderola
7: slides up the...
6: road course racing is definitely not something you know that, that i'm overly comfortable with
7: christopher bell wins he won at kentucky he won at new hampshire and now he makes it three in a row winning at iowa
1: nascar live is brought to you by hercules tires right on our string from the motor racing network studios in concord north carolina here is your host mike bagley
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live. Mike Bagley and the MRN crew here with you for yet another weekly get together. And we've got some great stuff for you over the course of the next 60 minutes. We're going to visit with a veteran crew chief that's won the Daytona 500, who now is an analyst on NBC Sports. Steve Letard is going to join us today. And he can also add author to his resume. He's got a brand-new book out, and it's called Leading the Way. Stevie's going to give us the insight on that, plus racing at Watkins Glen and a whole lot more. We're also going to go face-to-face with Stuart Haas racing driver Kurt Busch. We'll talk about his season and much more. In the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Christopher Bell won his third consecutive race. It came this past weekend at Iowa Speedway. We'll talk with Chris about his win and his outlook for Watkins Glen this weekend as he goes for four in a row. By the way, the last time that happened was in 1983 when Sam R. did it. Joey Logano's crew chief, Todd Gordon, is going to join us to talk about the keys to getting a car set up for this weekend's Go Bowling at the Glen. Kim Kuhn is going to have a social media minute. And we'll also have, this week in NASCAR history, a preview of this weekend's race with Jimmy Johnson, Eric Almirola, others. And we'll also visit with the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame and senior Motor Racing Network pit reporter Winston Kelly. Earlier today, we found out that we lost Tom Higgins, a legendary journalist in this sport, one of the greatest storytellers this sport has ever known. Tom passed away earlier today, and Winston will join us to talk about Tom's legacy. But first, Kyle Ricky joins us with the latest in NASCAR news. Kyle, what do you have?
4: Mike, it was an eventful weekend at Pocono Raceway for Bubba Wallace, a weekend that will be remembered by his crash in Turn 1. But just 24 hours prior to that, he signed a multi-year contract to remain with Richard Petty Motorsports, and to continue driving the team's number 43 car in NASCAR's Premier Series. This is pretty nice, definitely a a stress reliever, uh, knowing that we have a a certain future ahead of
2: us. So it's been an incredible opportunity for us. I don't think, you know, coming into the season, we didn't know what to expect. We had our expectations, but it's kind of, we've kind of underperformed, and we we both see that from both ends, from my end and and from the team end. But heads are all in the basket, uh, trying to come up with ways to be
4: better and and, uh, produce better results. His best run with the team thus far is a second-place effort at this year's Daytona 500. Junior Motorsports has made a change to their crew chief lineup for one of their NASCAR Xfinity Series teams following the series' last race at the Iowa Speedway on Saturday. Former Levine Family Racing crew chief Travis Mack is now the new crew chief for Michael Annette. Mack is replacing Jason Stockard in that role. Stockard, however, will remain with the organization. And we end on a sad note as longtime NASCAR journalist Tom Higgins has passed away. Higgins reported on the sport for over 33 years for the Charlotte Observer, sparking friendships with nearly every star in the sport from the 1960s until his retirement in 1997. Higgins received the NASCAR Hall of Fame's prestigious Squire Hall Award that recognizes NASCAR media excellence in 2015. Higgins was 80 years old. At AutoZone, helping you get more done is what we do best. Like with the AutoZone Rewards
7: program, you'll earn a $20 reward every time you spend 20 bucks or more five times. It's just one more way to get more done. Protect your engine from wear while protecting your wallet with great deals on oil change supplies from AutoZone. Visit any of our 5,500 locations nationwide and let us do more for you. See program terms on autozone.com/rewards. Restrictions and
4: details in store.
3: In the zone.
4: Auto zone. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff.
3: Hey, are you just going to stand there and let people not give you credit for being a good driver? You deserve discounts on car insurance, and that's what Snapshot from Progressive is for. So why aren't you signing up? You need music to get pumped? Hit it! Drum solo! Ow, that hurts my fingers.
4: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, of all agents.
0: NASCAR Xfinity Series Iowa winner Christopher Bell joins us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live.
7: White flag is in the air. One lap to go in the U.S. Cellular 250. And once again, Allgaier versus Bell at Iowa. Bell tried to bomb it down into turn one. He clears him. Allgaier backs up into the front bumper of Brandon Jones. Bell escapes. Down the back straightaway. He leads by two car lengths over Allgaier. Daniel Hemrick inside of Brandon Jones for third. But it's Christopher Bell off four as they crash in turn four. Brandon Jones a slide and into the wall, but the checkered flag comes out. Christopher Bell wins. He won at Kentucky. He won at New Hampshire. And now he makes it three in a row, winning at Iowa.
1: Now, back to Mike Bagley.
0: That's how it sounded Saturday evening on the Motor Racing Network. Christopher Bell winning the U.S. Cellular 250 as we welcome you back to NASCAR Live. That was Chris's third win in a row this season. He called in earlier today and spoke with our Woody Kane about that win Saturday in Iowa. Christopher,
8: it came down to you and Justin Allgaier again, just a few short weeks after you'd visited Iowa the first time this season, was any of that in the back of your mind? Oh no, here we go again, us two at the end of that race.
6: A little bit, you know. <laughs> we had such a fast race car at both Iowas that I felt like uh, I had an opportunity to win both races, but I never could pass Allgaier there in the first race, and then uh, he kind of snickered me on that restart, and you know I had flashbacks to the first Iowa, so. <laughs> Thankfully, you know, we got another opportunity there, and uh, I got to start in fourth, and that was a big advantage.
8: The lane certainly is a big advantage at most places. Is is it oftentimes the circumstances like that that dictate the outcome, or is there, when you're in a spot like that, is there much you can do to, to change it if you don't have the preferred lane that you want?
6: Man, it's really tough. You know, I was pretty uh, – or I felt like I I preached, if it's your day, it's your day, because, you know, I was just really fortunate that uh, – I led the race the entire time and uh or not the entire time but at the end there and looked like i was going to run away and win and then the yellow came out and those late race restarts man it just all depends on what lane you're in who helps you who you know who decides to not help you and um our first restart i had my teammate behind me and we got a great start and got out front then we had another immediate yellow with all guyer in fourth that time and uh he decided to drive around me instead of push me and you know he got the lead and and knocked me back to fourth and luckily whenever l- luckily it did knock me back to fourth and not second or third that way i could still restart on the top and uh and you know the, the top was just the place to be so uh it was meant to be for us that day that's for sure
8: can you describe to to folks who don't sit behind the wheel of a race car every week just how important and insane restarts out are nowadays? Because it seems like that is often the key to victory.
6: Yeah, well, it's, you know, whenever, especially at the end of the race, it's most of the time, not most of the time, but it seems like a lot of the time it comes down to those late, rate, late race restarts and, you know, what lane you're in, who's behind you, who's going to help you and stuff like that. And It just, uh, you know, sometimes it's not the best car that wins. It's just the guy who restarts in the right spot. And luckily for us, the best car restarted in the right spot there at the end of the race.
8: There you go. And three straight victories now. And this weekend you head to Watkins Glen and looking to get the fourth straight. And that would tie Sam Ard from all the way back in 1983. And plus tie the rookie record for uh, Xfinity wins with guys like Kyle Busch, Carl Edwards, and Greg Biffle. Are you a stats guy? Do you think about stuff like that, or are you just focus on the task at hand each week?
6: Uh, no, I don't really. I try not to get caught up with, you know, what – or I try not to compare myself to other people. Uh, I just try and go out there and do the best job I can, and, you know, it's really cool that we've won four races right now, and hopefully, hopefully that's not the end of our season and we can continue to win more. I think we've got a lot of good racetracks at the end of the year, Uh, that we should be able to compete for wins at least this little month that we're going on here is going to be a tough stretch for us between the three road course races and bristol i think will be extremely strong at there's a lot of cup guys that are going to be running that race and uh, so it should be a a heck of a battle and hopefully i can keep up with those guys and, and race with them so that'll be a lot of fun but there's no doubt this this month is going to be a hard one
8: Speaking of the road courses coming up, it is road course season for the Xfinity Series, Watkins Glen this weekend, and you've also got Mid-Ohio and Road America coming up. I was trying to look up some stats, and the only one I can find for you is a couple of races at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park in the Truck Series. Tell folks about your road racing experience and how you prepare for something like this.
6: Yeah, I don't have a ton, but I've run one ARCA race at New Jersey and then two truck races at Canada. And then I ran uh, an Xfinity race at Road America last year. So I've got a couple of races under my belt, but the biggest thing is is I think every time I've gone to a road course, I've blown up a motor from going from third to second. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely in the back of my mind, and hopefully I can overcome that and, and not have that mistake. And uh, the hard part about it is is you do so many shifts, mm-hmm. and it's relatively easy to, you know, to shift the car and downshift the car but you just do it so many times there's a lot of opportunities there for mistakes and uh it's you know it, all it takes is one time and then you you're looking at a DNF
8: and and not even to consider all the other guys around you and what they're doing and getting on and off pit road and trying to tell your team how the car's running that seems like a, a lot going through your mind more so than you would on we'd see it on another track
6: yeah there's just a lot of opportunity for mistakes it's uh that's the best way i can put it. You know, it, it, there there's just a lot of opportunities for mistakes, and you got to be the guy that doesn't make the mistakes or at least not a fatal mistake that DNFs to your race.
8: You've been pretty adamant lately as a lot of fans say we need to get these cup guys out of the Xfinity series and the truck series and saying, "No, no, I want to race against those guys." Why? How co- how come you feel so strongly about that?
6: Uh, because man, the biggest thing that i want to get across to the fans is even if the cup guys are not racing you're still competing against those race cars hmm. so you, even if Kyle Busch isn't in the 18 i'm still having to beat the 18 for wins whether it's Kyle Benjamin or Ryan Priest or you know the 42 with John Hunter Nemechek those race cars are still going to be fast with other drivers in them as long as they're you know talented race car drivers uh so you might as well race against the cup guys and you know then at least you're you're racing against high profile race car drivers and and you're learning from them. And, um, you know, it just, uh, it elevates the series, right? Like not to, not to, I don't know, put down the, the Xfinity guys, but I feel like the races that I've won where cup guys are at, it means a lot more than to win races without cup guys.
8: Yeah, wrestlers used to say, to be the man, you got to beat the man, and that's certainly what you've been doing lately. Do, do you think confidence is an underrated aspect of racing when you compare it to other sports?
6: Man, confidence is everything. It is literally everything. I remember back to my sprint car days, uh, whenever you get confidence, and even it, it translates to stock cars too, you, whenever you have confidence, you look at situations so much differently. Uh, you know, you could be buried back in eighth, twelfth place, and, you know, whenever you have confidence, you're like, oh, this is easy. I'll just go to the top here, go to the bottom here, and zigzag through this corner, and <laughs> to the front we go. And then Sounds pretty easy you de- when
8: you describe it.
6: <laughs> yeah, and then you you lose your confidence, and it's like, man, I'm sitting here in 12. How am I going to do this? There's so many cars in front of you. And uh, it's, it, confidence is a funny thing because it's so hard to build up, yet it's so easy to tear down. Yeah. And, and that's what the good guys are able to do is just keep that confidence and know that they're know that they're the best.
8: It certainly is. Uh, before we let you go, uh, Knoxville Nationals coming up. Are you going to be there? And what's your uh, dirt schedule look like for the rest of the season? Or do you know yet?
6: Yeah, unfortunately, I, there won't be any Knoxville Nationals for me. I'm uh, not going to be able to do it with the road course races coming up this next two weekends. But um, as far as my dirt racing, I don't really know what's going on. Uh, I was able to race a lot throughout the the middle for the beginning parts of summer through June and July because there's a lot of speed weeks going on. And um, it makes it easy to go race on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, But now the speed weeks are kind of slowed down and um, there's not a lot of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday racing going on. So I haven't really. And and on top of that, we don't have any off weeks. So it's making it tough to find a, a schedule to lay out or a race to go run. Um, So I don't really know what I got going on for the dirt stuff. Uh, Just trying to pick and choose what racetracks I want to go to. And, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens in the future. But I don't have anything scheduled right now.
8: Yeah, the calendar often uh, takes precedence for sure. Well, Christopher, congratulations on three straight wins. We'll be watching this weekend to see if you can get four and a really strong start to the season, man. It's uh, been fun to watch for sure. Thank you.
0: That's Christopher Bell and Woody Kane from earlier today. Coming up next, we're going to go face-to-face with Kurt Busch, and later we'll talk with Todd Gordon about setting up a race car at Watkins Glen. In a
1: sport driven by acceleration, we're shifting gears to do more to help preserve our environment, driving the sport towards greater reforestation efforts, speeding up our recycling programs, racing greener with Sunoco Green E15, a cleaner blended biofuel, because if we all shift gears to help the environment, we can keep racing for so much longer. To learn more about how NASCAR is shifting towards a greener future, visit nascar.com green today. In order to maximize a vehicle's performance and efficiency, the proper adjustments need to be made based on the road ahead. That's true for both race car drivers on the track and for truck drivers hauling freight on the highway. But if your truck's equipped with a Detroit DT12 automated manual transmission with intelligent powertrain management, adjustments are made automatically based on GPS terrain mapping, maximizing performance and efficiency. Don't just want better business solutions, demand them. Learn more at demanddetroit.com.
0: We go face-to-face with Kurt Busch next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
1: This is NASCAR Live.
4: Kurt Busch all by himself at the front of the field, but will he make it back around? Has three car lengths over Kyle Larson and A.J. Allmendinger. Off of turn four, it's Kurt Busch looking for the checker. Kurt Busch leads
7: the Daytona 500. He's never won before in Daytona. A former series champion, he will fix that today. Winning the 59th edition of the Great American
5: Race. Hell of a job there,
9: driver. What a job, man. Proud as hell of you, bud. I can't believe it.
0: Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thanks for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live. So glad to have you with us. Over the weekend, MRN's Kim Kuhn sat down with Stuart Haas racing driver Kurt Busch to talk about a lot of things, including the 2018 season and a whole lot more It's this week's NASCAR Live face-to-face interview.
10: And the battle for the lead is on. Kurt Busch to the outside of Joey Logano. Points-wise, you guys are solidly in the playoff picture. Do you feel like you and your team are playoff run ready?
9: The way it's going to go down is uh, the top three have so many bonus points. uh, They're going to have to run into something huge to not advance through that round of eight. And so the round of eight, getting into the round of four, the championship four... We have to race against guys like Logano, Kozlowski, Hamlin, uh, Boyer, and that's who I've been watching the last few weeks, and right now we're outperforming them, but we're doing it off of our consistency. And are they in full playoff mode and consistency mode? Not, not yet, but those are the guys that we're gonna have to race to get that final slot.
10: SHR has been cruising this year. You look at Kevin Harvick and Clint Boyer. They've got multiple wins, but all four cars each week are so fast and always contender for wins. What is your organization hit on that other teams are just missing?
9: Uh, last year, really, we went through a little bit of growing pains that we didn't expect with Ford on the engine side and the aerodynamic side. And now we've perfected it. And so when you know you're behind in certain categories and you have an off-season to fix things, that's when we we came out of the gates running strong in 2018. So all areas are are perfect with with the balance of chassis design, the bodies, the engine, uh, weight savings, and we just continue to find. You know, anytime you like pick up a rock and look under there, it seems like there's speed. And, and then there's times in your in your career where when the team is in a slump, where you're picking up rocks and there's nothing underneath there.
10: Which of your teammates do you feel like you're closest with?
9: Um, I would say Amarola, Boyer, um, the way that uh, we all communicate in the team meetings, uh, those guys and Amarola, you know, he's he's out there biking along and I do my running. I don't do the biking. So the two of us share that bond.
10: Before you made the trip to Long Pong, PA, where Pocono is situated, you were actually across the pond in London to watch your wife play polo. How was the trip? What was the highlight?
9: An amazing trip uh, with my wife, and then my mom's birthday was on Monday, our travel day, to go over there, and to go sightseeing with them, and to have a day with mom, and to do tea at the Ritz with mom, that was a nice highlight. And then, of course, with Ashley, you know, mounting up on some English horses and playing alongside Prince Harry, Um, to watch them play together, and to see the team camaraderie, I mean... There's there's skill level in polo, and you're rated off of your skill level, and Harry was a perfect fit for the team to be just above Ashley's skill, but just below our head pro, Nacho Figueres, and the way that they started to communicate in the second half, Harry assisted Ashley, and Ashley scored a goal, and it's like, well, this is so awesome to watch Ashley jump on their horses and learn the horses quickly, and then for him and the team to gel so quickly to watch them perform... Uh, that's that was that, that genuine team communication and chemistry that that uh, was fun to experience on the sidelines.
10: How did she get chosen for this, and did you get to kind of socialize with Prince Harry and that whole group while you were over there?
9: Uh, Nacho, the the lead pro, uh, he gave the invite to Ashley, and that came from other charitable events that Ashley and her family are involved in in the polo world. And with them to be able to travel, I'm just so thankful. It was on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if it was a Saturday or a Sunday to do, I wouldn't be able to go over there and, and be with the team and meet everybody. And afterwards, uh, just I was part of the, the groom's help with Ashley. So I was getting water for everybody and making sure she had the right mallets and her whip and stirrups. And so that's. afterwards, um, everybody was just hanging out, talking about the game and Harry then asked a couple questions about NASCAR and and the horsepower side of things. So it was just neat and got a couple photos that their Secret Service let us have, but we couldn't post them on social media.
10: (laughs) Where does that rank in terms of cool things you've gotten to do in your life?
9: Uh, It's top five. Uh, The way that I got the goosebumps, the chills, and teary eyes when they announced her name right alongside uh, the, the Royal Duke of, of Sussex. That was really neat to, to have that experience and to watch it all fl- unfold. Her family was there. My mom was there. So it was a pretty grand event.
10: Do you feel like maybe you have an appreciation for what she does because of what you do on track?
9: Yeah, I love it. Um, I love to help with the team and when she um, you know has her frustrations too on different games that don't unfold the right way uh, or um, if she's looking to make a change with some of her grooms, Uh, and then the training schedule with the horses. Uh, It's like building race cars. And so it's neat to have all the different parallels and also the the preparation as an athlete that she has to go through with her workouts, her nutrition, her travel and prep. It's um, it's a a very fun parallel to have and she's so supportive of my racing and the, the travel that we have to go through. It's easy to go back and forth.
10: I know you and Ashley are big live music fans. Any recent concerts you've been to or any on the docket for the rest of the year?
9: Uh, We went to uh, Taylor Swift in D.C. (laughs) That was, what, two weeks ago? That was awesome. Um, It was fun to go. Her sisters went and a couple of her girlfriends. So I was was kind of the chaperone. I was the D.D. that night. It was fun to go to a concert and to, to see her light it up. I mean, that's a pretty... Big Machine, no pun intended, but the Big Machine records people and the porchettas are doing a great job, and it's just amazing to watch her acting along with her singing.
10: I love that you don't discriminate in the type of music you'll go see. Were you singing along to Taylor Swift?
9: Absolutely. (laughs) Shake it off. Shake it off. (laughs) Uh, The song I didn't know she had was Getaway Car, so I want to drive in the getaway car next time. Uh, It was a fun video to watch.
10: Any chance you'll have Taylor Swift as your Bristol song to come out to
9: You never know. I mean, the fans, uh, they they chose an outlaw song for me last time, and um, I don't know if it's up to the fan choice or driver choice, but maybe, maybe, just maybe.
0: That's Kurt Busch and Kim Kuhn on this week's NASCAR Live face-to-face interview. On the way, we'll get a crew chief's perspective on Watkins Glen International, and later, veteran crew chief and NBC sports analyst Steve Letart will join us. Grunt style. The American
5: fighting spirit is in everything we make. We are 500 patriots and veterans strong, bringing clothing manufacturing back to the United States of America. Always moving forward. Never retreating. Never giving up. We are Grunt Style, and this we'll defend. Get yours at gruntstyle.com or on the track this week at Watkins Glen International.
1: MRN original programs stream on MRN.com. Check out NASCAR drivers on Motorsports Monday with Woody Kane and Joey Mike. Sprint car racing on Wing Nation with Steve Post and Aaron Everman. NASCAR team crews on Crew Call with Sammy Joe and Rocco. NASCAR local and regional racing on NASCAR Coast to Coast with Kyle Rickey and Hannah Newhouse. NHRA Talk on the straight line with Marty Huff and Doug Herbert. Your home for original motorsports talk.
0: MRN.com. Busy weekend of racing coming your way at Watkins Glen this weekend. Our coverage begins on Saturday. Four broadcasts for you to take in. Two of those are practice sessions for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series cars. You will hear them at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Saturday on MRN.com. Saturday afternoon, we'll bring you coverage of the Zippo 200 for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Our coverage begins at 2.30 in the East, followed by pole qualifying for the Go Bowling at the Glen for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup cars. Bush pole qualifying kicks off at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And then, of course, we're back Sunday. The Go Bowling at the Glen takes to the airwaves at 1.30 Eastern. All of that right here on the Motor Racing Network. Kim Kuhn has a social media minute next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thanks
10: for hanging out with us on this week's
0: NASCAR Live. It's time for a social media minute with our Kim Kuhn. Kim, what's up today in social media?
10: Yeah, Mike. So as fans heard in the one-on-one with Kurt Busch, he and his wife, Ashley, and his family, actually, his mom and his dad took a trip across the pond to London um, last week, and Ashley actually had the opportunity to play polo, as you heard, with Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex, and they actually shared some great photos on their social media accounts at Kurt Bush and at Mrs. Ashley Bush of that trip. So you get to see them experiencing and enjoying the sights and sounds of London, as well as the polo aspect of it. And there's a great photo on Ashley's account of her on the horse. They did win their match. So we also got to see some great photos alongside Prince Harry and even Meghan Markle making an appearance in some of Ashley's photos. So again, if you heard that one-on-one and you're like, man, I'd love to see what this trip looked like, You can visually see that on Kurt and Ashley's social handles. A great way to just uh, keep up to date on what your favorite drivers are doing. But we are headed to Watkins Glen this weekend, where the drivers are going to turn left and right to keep up to date with everything that's going to happen. Watkins Glen, you can follow us at MRN Radio and tweet us using the hashtag AskMRN.
0: Thank you, Kimmy. This weekend, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series is road racing at Watkins Glen International. It's the goal bowling at the Glen. Of course, you'll hear live coverage here on Motor Racing Network. Over the weekend, Kyle Ricky had a chance to catch up with Joey Logano's crew chief Todd Gordon. And Todd told us about the challenges of racing in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York.
2: You know, Watkins Glen, you got to get through the bus stop. I think that's, that's a piece. But um, that used to be a huge focus for guys, and I think everybody's kind of gotten there, so um, that's become more routine. It's forced us to become more of a balanced approach to the whole racetrack, getting up through the S's to get yourself, if you can make a really good run up through the S's, turn 2, 3, and 4, you, it, it sets you up for that long backstretch where you can make a passing zone into the bus stop. Um, and then getting around the carousel, you know, coming to 10. It's, it, it's, it's kind of cool because there's a You know, really, the S's are fairly high-speed stuff, so you got to keep aero platform to make it to the next passing zone. The carousel is kind of a uh, medium-speed corner, which it's still some platform, but you just got to handle around that corner to get to the passing zone in 10. And then turn 11 is a really slow corner that leads to the turn 1 passing zone. So all sorts of facets to that racetrack that uh, if you can find a compromise, but you've got to excel at one of them so you can pass cars.
4: Did the repave last year change things much for you
2: guys? Yeah, we won two years ago on the last last of the of the old asphalt. Uh, did it change a lot of things? I think um, I, I wouldn't say it, it overly changed the racetrack. It probably changed the racetrack less than what uh, what I what I anticipated. Um, and, and we, I, I would say we we didn't run as well as we wanted to last year there. And a lot of it I, I attribute to you know trying to outthink the change of the repave and make our race cars different. Uh, I, I think we, we probably need to focus a little more on what we had done previously to be successful. And the difference in the repave there is that on the old asphalt, and I say old asphalt, but uh, the race pace, the racetrack never lost pace. When you looked at our lap times through a run, we didn't we didn't fall off seconds. We we maintained pace on the old asphalt. So when we repaved, we really didn't take the fall off away, which would change how you race. So uh, the racetrack raced a lot similarly. And speaking of change, final question for you about stage racing and how that has played into how creative you crew chiefs can be on a road course. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, you, you always were you always were before. It was uh, how early do you pit and how do you get on your sequence to, to finish the race. And now you – now you, and, and if you could you, – it used to be if you could anticipate a caution, you had the spotters if they saw something, if you were close to pit entry, pit. Um, but now we have stages that we know are known cautions coming. And you've got a window of how you get to that. So the pitting just before the stage to give up stage points becomes a play. Uh, I think there's more things in play with the stages that uh, allow us to make that a more exciting race. Thanks for joining us and best of luck. Thank you.
0: That's Joey Logano's crew chief, Todd Gordon, on this week's Go Bowling at the Glen. Coming up next, NBC sports anchor Steve Letart will join us. And later, Jimmy Johnson and others will preview this weekend's race at Watkins Glen.
4: Pack up the crew and head out to Talladega Super Speedway for race weekend October 12th through 14th. Ticket holders for the 1000bulbs.com 500 can enjoy free camping in three different campgrounds around the track. This is more than a race. This is Talladega. I'm not blooming good. I'm blooming great. Put a shrimp on the barbie and sizzle my steak. Woo, I want that honey to bloom. Let it get in my senses like a sonic boom. No rules, just right. So cold, so nice.
1: what it's all
4: about
1: all right, say, it's great. facebook and twitter mrn is there follow mrn on social media for all the latest happenings from the track and in nascar breaking news video photos live races and shows stats opinion and more follow along on mrn's facebook and twitter
0: nascar hall of fame executive director and senior motor racing network pit reporter winston kelly will join us next This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live. Earlier today, we got some sad news. One of the legends of NASCAR and one of the journalists that you could say is the personification of excellence in journalism, Tom Higgins, passed away. Let's bring in the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame and MRN senior pit reporter Winston Kelly. Winston I got the news earlier today about Tom. I was I was sad, I was heartbroken, but man, we have a lot of a lot to reflect on. He he told a lot of good stories and he did this sport a lot of justice when he was around back in his
5: heyday. Yeah, he was the consummate storyteller, if ever there was one. And one of the things that I always, when I think about Tom Higgins, I think Tom Higgins and Barney Hall were the two most trusted journalists in NASCAR, period, from the time I came in, probably to this day, that they were, people could tell them what was going on, knew that they would report it accurately, wouldn't spin it into something that was, you know, nefarious or whatever. He was just trusted, accurate. Tremendous storyteller and, to, and a mentor to so many, and I count myself among those.
0: The interesting thing about, you mentioned Tom and Barney Winston, is that when, when Barney Hall would go through the garage, he could get people to tell him stuff that they probably wouldn't say to other folks, except for maybe a Tom Higgins, who, when he went into the garage, he could sit down with some of the biggest names in this sport and all of a sudden they would just start spilling their guts, and he had the filter of what was off the record versus what was on the record. And he was also one of those guys that if Tom Higgins wrote it, then it was gospel because if you knew it came from Tom Higgins, you know it was one hundred percent true and accurate.
5: You could take it to the bank, and you know he he was such good friends with so many. I would say Dale Earnhardt, Sr. among his closest friends. They were fishing buddies, they were hunting buddies. But what he put in the newspaper was always accurate. But if there was something that wasn't related to the sport, that was something that was kind of, you know, some of the TMZ-type stuff that you see published today, you know, that was off the record. And it it wasn't important. It wasn't pertinent to what's going on. And and that's what Tom stuck to is the business of motorsports and and the sport of motorsports, if you will, Uh, And, you know, just such a great guy. And, you know, I I could sit there and listen to him tell stories. I'm, You know, I'm thinking about uh, when he was here at the NASCAR Hall of Fame not too long ago uh, with Junior Johnson, and they were telling stories. uh, You know, and those are two of the best storytellers ever. Uh, Tom was just one of those guys that everybody liked, everybody trusted. And he was the guy that I grew up reading, you know, uh, growing up in Concord, North Carolina, right next to Charlotte. He was the guy – that I learned so much about motorsports from before I even had the pleasure of meeting him.
0: It's amazing how when you go back and you read what Tom wrote, uh, you mentioned he left all the TMZ stuff out of there. There was no rumor mill stuff. I mean, he, he, he published cold, hard facts. And to be quite honest, he was so good at his craft that I believe that Every sports journalist, doesn't that necessarily be NASCAR, needs to sit down and needs to take a page out of the Tom Higgins handbook because I think if they do, even just one page, they'll learn volumes that, that they'll take with them forever.
5: When you learn, you learn how to be respectful. And, you know, and I put he and Barney Hall in that category. Barney used to tell us if you stick to the race, you can't have a bad broadcast. And I think Tom Higgins went from the, the position of if you stick to the facts, you can't have a bad story you can't have an inaccurate story and if there was something controversial on the racetrack he didn't shy away from reporting it and talking about it it just needed to be relevant to the sport and not you know what somebody said about somebody and said about somebody else you know that's the thing that i felt you know was that he had such a high amount of integrity he was the first journalist to ever be inducted into the nmpa hall of fame he was the fourth recipient of the squire hall award behind ken squire barney hall and Chris Economaki, And if you read his list of accolades, he's one of the only journalists. I don't know of any others other than perhaps Barney and Ken that got the NASCAR Bill France Award for Excellence. So, you know, everybody in the industry, up to and including the France family, understood the contributions that Tom Higgins made from the first time that he started reporting back in 1957.
0: Countless stories and. Countless contributions. Tom Higgins was one of a kind, and he will definitely be missed. On behalf of the Motor Racing Network family, we extend our condolences to the Higgins family. Winston, thanks for taking time out of your day to help us reflect on such a great man.
5: Uh, always, a, always glad to be on. Hayden's under this uh, circumstance, but uh, just honored to have known Tom Higgins and, and to be able to call him a friend.
0: I agree 100%, Winston, thank you so much. Winston Kelly, the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Motor Racing Network senior pit reporter. Again, Tom Higgins has passed away at the age of 80.
7: At AutoZone, helping you get more done is what we do best. Like with the AutoZone Rewards Program, you'll earn a $20 reward every time you spend 20 bucks or more five times. It's just one more way to get more done. Protect your engine from wear while protecting your wallet with great deals on oil change supplies from AutoZone. Visit any of our 5,500 locations nationwide and let us do more for you. See program terms on AutoZone.com rewards. Restrictions and details in store.
5: Get
3: in the zone, AutoZone. Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, who's the greatest of all time? For my money, it's Progressive's home and auto bundle. It literally saves you money. Gentlemen, your thoughts.
4: Look, it's simple I've said it before and I'll the say it again. Out of all the heroes, champions take champions away zero, the zeros. And what you got, one, one big trophy of game. me saying I told
3: you so.
1: I
2: disagree.
3: Thanks, fellas. Took the words right out of my mouth.
1: There's
4: really no debate.
1: Progressive Soman auto bundle is a winning combination. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: Steve LaTarte joins us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live.
4: But at the bottom of the racetrack, it is all Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a Crest
9: now off turn four. Here they come, racing back to the start-finish line. Dale Earnhardt Jr. throws the block on Denny Hamlin. Across the line he comes, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. has won the Daytona 500 for the second time in his career. Let's go to Penn Road. Let's talk to Steve Latart What a
5: way to start that final season with Dale Jr. Congratulations. Thanks.
8: Well,
7: we heard Brian France tell us more of the drivers meet. We want to punch our ticket in the chase. So we figure what better way than the Daytona 500? Uh, this was special for me. You know, I wanted to win this one this year, and uh, he's the best.
5: He's the best, and Steve Letarte, absolutely one of the best as well. And they're going to victory lane.
1: Now back to Mike Bagley.
0: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Told you a few moments ago about we were going to be visiting with a Daytona 500 winning crew chief author, and current analyst on NBC. The gentleman that holds all three of those accolades is Steve LaTarte, and he's joining us to talk about Leading the Way, his brand-new book and other things as well. Stevie, welcome back to NASCAR Live. Good to have you.
7: Hey, thanks for having me. That that, that puts a lot of pressure on me when you lift it like that. Um, uh, But, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It was fun. It was fun on top of the box. It's been fun in the booth this year. And you mentioned the book. It was a lot of fun writing that book with Nate Ryan. It it was a fun project.
0: It is called Leading the Way. How long did it take to put all these thoughts together?
7: So it should have took about eight months, but it took about two years for the simple fact that, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that the transition to TV was my priority so the book was never a priority, and everyone understands how that works. But I want to tell you, what I really misjudged was how much fun it was going to be reliving these years. And basically how it worked is I would sit down with Nate and we would just talk and he would record it and, and write the stories that I told. And it was so much fun reliving those years that Dale and I had together. Um, man, I, I never thought just talking about it was going to be a blast, but it was.
0: So for the fans that are curious, what kind of nuggets await them when they purchase Leading the Way?
7: So the, the whole idea of this book was to make sure, A, people understood how the rebuilding took place, what wasn't. By chance, there was some pretty good strategy involved. But more than anything, it's just a behind-the-scenes look of, what, 36 weeks of ups and downs, uh, ins and outs, good practices, bad practices, winning and losing. And it's it's the time I spent with Dale, the time I spent with the team. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes looks. Dale and I only had one big fight, surprisingly enough. It was the weekend of our first win. We talk about that in the book. There's so many good kind of peaks. Peeking behind the curtain, if you will, of what goes into a race
0: team. You know, it's amazing. You talk about that fight you and Dale had, and indeed Dale went on to win that weekend. Don't give us all the scoop, but give us, give us like a little tease. What was the issue? What were you two at odds about? And how did it ultimately, well, it ultimately ended up with Dale winning the race and you winning the race as well. But give us a little insight about how all that led to be.
7: Well, it shows the trials and tribulations of the relationship of crew chief and driver. It was a stressful weekend. Uh, Goodyear had some challenges. They changed the tire. Practices were added. Our car wasn't as good as it needed to be. And all of that boiled over into a major disagreement. Well, we worked through that disagreement. Uh, we didn't expect to be that good on Sunday. We were wrong. We made some good adjustments, and we ended up winning the race. And, and those 48 hours, I'll be honest, those 48 hours, I was telling the story to Nate, and he was staring at me. And I'm like, why are you looking at me so funny? He goes, I had no idea this happened. He goes, no one has any idea this happened. And he said that multiple times while we worked on this book. And that's what I want the fans to know is, you know, people say, oh, you and Dale are such good friends. How did you become such good friends? This book is how. Uh, you know, it's not always roses. It's not always easy. But we had some great times. We had some bad times. And in the end, um, who knew he was going to come join me in NBC? I mean, I got lucky to continue to work with the Buddy of mine.
0: Chatting with Steve Latart, author of Leading the Way. Pick it up at your bookseller of choice. You talk about working with Dale Jr. at NBC. How has the transition for Jr. been going over to the Peacock? And what's the working relationship now like between the two of you?
7: Well, we're having a blast, and I hope that comes across in the broadcast. I think Dale's done a wonderful job. He's really had a uh, challenge in front of him, because not only have we been covering races, but we've changed it up. I've been on the pit box. We've had four in the booth. We've had a couple booths. Um, you know, we had multiple different ways. We 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 sent Rick out of the booth one week. You know, we've had a, a variety of ways to cover. We have another way coming at him this weekend, bags. It's, it's going to be exciting to have you join us at the Glen. Um, so it's just, you know, variety makes it difficult, but he's hit it just smooth as can be. It just shows how much of a fan he is of the sport, how much of a historian he is, and I think his genuine excitement comes through in the broadcast. And listen. It's not brain surgery. It's just sports. We sit around, we talk, we
0: tell you what we see. Hopefully the fans are enjoying it. Well, you just teased it. Uh, ML Ren's going to loan me out to NBC Sports again this weekend. We did this one year ago, and basically it's going to be three of us out in the corners. We're going to do a radio-style broadcast. Based on your experience, how are those type of, of, of telecasts different from what you guys do week in and week out, with the exception of it's something new and something different for the fans to enjoy?
7: Yeah, well, so normally, you know, in the booth, we cover it, whether we can see it out the window or not. You know, take a place like Indianapolis or even Pocono last week. It's so big. We cover the race as we can see it, even when we have to see it off the camera like the fans at home. When we go to Watkins Glen, we take the approach you guys do at MRN. You make the broadcast so much, so much excitement in it. So basically, Rick and I are going to handle the front stretch and the strategies, and we'll get the storylines for our pit road reporters. And if I'm not mistaken, we're going to have you bags up in the S's calling the action. We're going to have Dale Jr. down at the bus stop in his carousel, and we'll have Burton take care of the left-hander and the right-hander. And I think there is something – you guys do it so well on MRN, but there's something about being in action, not watching it on the screen, that drives the energy. And I think that's what the fans are going to hear. They're going to hear your excitement, your energy, Dale's excitement, whether those cars thunder towards them, going to the bus stop, and then Burton does a great job. And then all I kind of try to do is figure out when everybody's going to pit and tell people why, which – My pencil could perhaps be
0: smoking this weekend at the Glen. It could be a little complicated. Man, we're going to have a lot going on this weekend. It's going to be fun. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for joining us here today to talk about your new book. Folks, if you have not picked this up, do yourself a favor. It is a can't-put-down read leading the way. Steve Letarte, Nate Ryan, putting thoughts to paper. And if you're a fan of Dale Earnhardt Jr., or if you're not, this is a great read and something... You'll definitely want to pick up Stevie. Thanks for joining us. I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you this weekend up there at Watkins Glen. Yes, sir,
7: Bagley. I'll see you this weekend. Can't wait, buddy.
0: Thank you. That's Steve Latart We mentioned Daytona 500 winning crew chief, current analyst on NBC Sports and author leading the way. Check it out. Coming up on NASCAR Live, we'll look back on this weekend NASCAR history and we'll preview all the action this weekend at the Glen.
10: Learn more by visiting racingelectronics.com. Kyle Petty here.
2: My friends at Click & Close, the official mortgage provider of NASCAR, have stepped up this year to support Victory Junction through the fastest lap of the race program on NASCAR radio. So join our team. Go to clickandclose.com slash NASCAR today to donate $43 or more and help us give the gift of camp to children with serious medical conditions. That's clickandclose.com slash NASCAR. And just look for the Victory Junction logo. Thanks to Click and Close and NASCAR Radio for
0: their support this season. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Putting a bow on this week's NASCAR Live in a moment. We're going to preview this weekend's Go Bowling at the Glen. But first, it's time to take a look back on the events of this week in NASCAR history. 1977 is where we begin. Andy Gibb is number one with I Just Want to Be Your Everything. In New York City, the serial killer known as Son of Sam was terrorizing the streets. On primetime television, shows like Charlie's Angels, Happy Days, and Laverne and Shirley were some of the most popular, and NASCAR was racing at Pocono Raceway. Benny Parsons held off Richard Petty to win the Coca-Cola 500. I just want to be. Turn. Benny Parsons going high trying to get by some slower traffic Richard Petty going
8: way down low cuts the advantage down it's going to be a drag race to the finish as Benny Parsons tries to bring
1: Chevrolet home Richard Petty is eight car lengths back here they come out of the corner Parsons uses up a lot of racetrack he takes Petty out to the wall and Benny Parsons with his hand out the window Takes the checkered flag and beats Richard Petty by five car lengths to win the Coca Cola 500.
0: Move forward to 1983. The police had the number one album with synchronicity. Friday Night Videos debuted on NBC. At the box office, National Lampoon's Vacation opened up at number one, and NASCAR was at Talladega Super Speedway. Dale Earnhardt made a last slap pass on Darrell Waltrip to win the Talladega 500. The final roll of the dice, and right now it's Dale Earnhardt,
7: and Bobby Allison has fallen him through, and it's between Earnhardt and Waltrip. As they come off turn number four, it's Dale Earnhardt with the lead. He's got Waltrip behind him as Allison gets out of the way.
1: Earnhardt brings him down into the dogleg. Waltrip will have one final shot. Here he comes, trying to draft down on the apron of the track and get underneath him. There's traffic dead ahead as they cross the stripe. It'll be Earnhardt by a half a car leg. Waltrip will finish second.
0: And we conclude this week in 1988. Steve Winwood is number 1 with Roll with It. Tom Cruise's Cocktail was released in theaters. Rush Limbaugh began broadcasting on a national level, and once again, NASCAR was racing at Talladega. Ken Schrader passed Dale Earnhardt on the final lap to win his first cup race in the Talladega Diehard 500. Another first-time winner. Schrader by three car
7: lengths over Rick Wilson. Earnhardt is low. He is alongside Wilson for second spot. Rusty Wallace on the outside. Jeff Bodine is fifth. Sterling Marlin is fourth. They
8: come off turn number four. Remember, the start finish line here is all the way down towards turn number one. Kenny Schrader trying to pick up his first ever Winston Cup win, but it's Earnhardt going down to the low side of the racetrack. They'll come three wide towards the stripe. Kenny Schrader, another first-time winner here at Talladega, Alabama.
0: Happy birthdays this week go out to Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson, and soon-to-be NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon. Those are just some of the events of this week in NASCAR history. This weekend, it's the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series right and left turning in upstate New York. We're headed off to Watkins Glen International, and for a preview, here is our Susie Armstrong.
3: Thank you, Mike. The Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series teams head to upstate New York this week for the Go Bowling at the Glen. At scenic Watkins Glen International, making his 17th start at the Glen, Jimmy Johnson has yet to visit Victory Lane. The seven-time champ truly respects the complexity of gaining positions on the twisted circuit.
7: Stage racing in general has has really ramped this up, um, and then the equality in cars. And how difficult it is to pass uh, is another component to that. So I I anticipate it being very exciting here. You know, the speeds are higher here versus Sonoma. So uh, moving somebody out of the way is a bit trickier and uh, I don't think is is
3: common. Chase Elliott strikes out for the Finger Lakes region with the express purpose to better his two 13th place finishes on the 2.4 mile road course. I
6: love going to Watkins Glen. I think it's a a really good time. Uh, You know, we don't road course race a lot, so it's nice to go do that. I really enjoy road racing. Um, I feel like our road race program and our cars have been pretty fast, and, and I thought that showed up at Sonoma. Obviously, Watkins Glen is a very different racetrack from Sonoma, but I think that uh, I think we can go up there and, and have a really good run.
3: Seeking his first top ten at the Glen, Eric Almirola is putting forth a maximum effort to improve his road racing skills.
6: I've worked really hard, uh, studying data. Uh, getting ready in the in the Ford simulator, and then we're fortunate enough to to you know have Stuart Haas Racing and go bowling for that weekend. It's it's the go bowling weekend at the Glen, so uh, we're gonna have a go bowling car on the racetrack on Saturday in the Xfinity race, which I feel like is gonna help get me in a rhythm for Sunday, and hopefully that will pay off.
3: The green flies over the go bowling at the Glen at Watkins Glen International Sunday afternoon, just after 2:30 p.m. Eastern. Live coverage on the Motor Racing Network begins at one thirty. For this week's NASCAR Live Race Preview, I'm Suzy Armstrong.
0: Thank you, Susie. Road Course Race Weekend number two on the way, and of course, live coverage right here on the Motor Racing Network. Time is up for today, my friends. We'd like to thank Steve Letarte for joining us. Also, Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Todd Gordon, and our very own Winston Kelly. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live. We'll talk to you next week right here until then so long everybody
1: nascar live is a production of the motor racing network with studios in concord north carolina and daytona beach florida and was brought to you by hercules tires right on our strength today's broadcast was produced by rich Colbert. remember to visit mrn.com to get all of the latest nascar news and information nascar live is produced under an exclusive license with nascar Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.